World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, good uh, Tuesday morning. And I mean that more than just the usual twos. Today is a twos day, number twos day. It is 2-22-2022. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Well, of course it hasn't happened before. And it's also amazing in that you could take 2-22-2022 and flip it around. You can read it backwards. It comes out the same. Comes out the same way, no matter how you write that thing. So happy Tuesday this morning. Uh, that's kind of like that double entendre stuff, right? I learned some some way back in, back in my history. Uh, um, thanks for joining us here. And uh, just I, I was struck this morning as I got up. What's that old song I sing it to my wife every once in a while? I've got a heaven-ending love for you. From now on, that's all I want to do. From the first time we met, I knew I had this everlasting love for you, or however it goes. I was think, and I was thinking this morning is, I always get up a little bit before Michelle, and she crawled out of bed. I, I thought about, and don't take this the wrong way. I know you won't. Uh, just really, how quickly our lives can be thrown upside down. How quickly our lives can be thrown upside down. You end up. Uh, I read an article this morning, not an article. Yeah, it was an article. Uh, let me, I'm, I'm clicking on my, over here. I read an article this morning about a guy who, um, his brother just died. Dave Jeffries, the guy's name. His brother just died. And he goes back through the litany of what happened. He said uh, three weeks ago, his brother, who was 73 years old, uh, slipped on the ice and fell. Banged himself. Emergency squad comes as they normally do. Perfectly healthy guy. Emergency squad comes and picks him up. They take him in the hospital. They do all kinds of tests on him. And you know what they found? (laughs) Yep. He had COVID. Oh, yeah. He had COVID. So they admitted him in the hospital, put him up in the COVID unit, not allowed any visitors. You know where this story goes, right, friends? Put him on remdesivir against the will of his brother, but his brother didn't have power of attorney, so he couldn't really do anything about it. Put him on remdesivir and a perfectly healthy 73-year-old guy dead in a matter of nine days. And I was thinking this morning about those awful phone calls that you get in the middle of the night. We all know those, right? We've all had those phone calls. You think of your extended family and those you love and your little grandchildren and People, just people in general that you love who who are constant. It's it, it's amazing, really, that we get through this life un, unharmed. Isn't it? I mean, it really is. It really is. And I, I say that because uh, our buddy, Pastor Payne Tom Gill, called me yesterday. And on the I, we had we had uh, we had horrible flooding, flash flooding here in Ohio last weekend. And uh, Pastor Tom and his wife, Nicole, they're they're pulling off the freeway. Route 70, freeway, pull off the Route 70 freeway, and as going up the entrance exit ramp of Route 70, there was water on the road, and they, they got into that water, and the water pulled them over, and the next thing they know, they, they were off the road into this swale of water. Truck basically buried. Tom jumps out of the, you know, does what he does, realizes his engine shuts off and rolls down the window and jumps out the car, and immediately, water's over his head. He gets down, he's freezing. I'm, I'm just telling you the general story of it, right? And his car's floating, and water's coming. And it's pitch dark. Nobody knows they're there. 
and he swims out and he gets up. He finally gets over, swims over and gets to where he can stand and walks out and then comes back and gets back in the truck and opens the door and gets his wife, Nicole, out of there and drags her across. And Tom said he was under the water, walking on the bottom of the water with her on his back. And he'd come up every once in a while, get a breath and finally, finally made it out of there and gets, long story short, he was okay. But he said, you know, had he not been in a truck, which is totally uh, total, the truck is total. Had he not been in a truck, he and his wife probably would have uh, would have been buried in that water and dead. Can happen that quickly, right? Boom, that quickly. And uh, I'm not trying to be morbid today, but to understand how uh, life is but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And uh, how much we cling to this life. And I just want to uh, just want to say to everybody out there: be cognizant of that. Be cognizant of that. that. Again, life is but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And we're going to begin to see more and more. I was, I was, uh, I was sitting out there. I was getting, doing show prep today and going down some things I was doing. I was wondering, golly, how many people do I know today that aren't going to be here next year? You know we know a lot of them, don't you, folks? We know a lot of them who won't be here next year. Now, it could be from a variety of things. It could be from a shot that they took. It could be from an accident. It could be a heart, heart attack. It could have had a stroke. It could have fallen in a, pulled into raging water. Could have happened. And uh, just the reality of it, that we, that we should really and truly leave our, live our lives one day at a time. Because none of us know. And so I just woke up this morning with this overwhelming sense of love for my wife. I don't know how many times I told her. Man, been the best 40, 42 years of my life. I could never, ever believe that this would happen and how miserable, how heartbroken I would be if you die. Not being more, but I'm not worried that she's gone to. Just the reality of it, right, friends? Just the reality of it. If life is here and baby, then it's gone. Then what? Bible says after that comes the judgment. <laughs> That's a scary thought, isn't it? Oh, I want I want to do the class. I haven't, got, I haven't got into it yet. I want to do the discussion. Okay, I, I'm going to just going to break it up. I'm not going to do it today. I'm totally convinced, totally convinced that you don't go to heaven when you die. <laughs> I'm totally convinced that when you die, you sleep. That when you die, you pass into a new realm. And all those people who go to funerals and say, Grandpa's in a better place. and No, Grandpa, wherever Grandpa is, wherever the Lord is, the presence of the Lord is there for sure. Because we know thief on, the thief on the cross said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Wherever paradise is, wherever the Lord is, we know we're with him. But I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's conscious. I don't know if we're conscious. And you say, well, Coach, I had a near-death experience. Well, you're right. It was near death. <laughs> it wasn't actually death, was it? It was near death. So we, we, we really, really don't know what. Don't know what that what that whole thing's about. To think that uh, we sit around and think maybe my mom and my dad are in heaven. No, I think probably they're asleep in the grave. A place where there's no time, where there's no passage of time. An innate, I don't know, suspended animation. So I don't fear death. Not like, you know, I don't want to die, but I don't fear it. And sadly, that's the thing that we probably, most of us have feared most our whole, our whole lives. Fear of death, next to the fear of them taking away our stuff from us, right? That's really what holds more people back than anything is losing our stuff. That guy tell me one time, Coach, I'm not afraid of dying. I just want to lose my stuff. I think that's it. I think at the very heart of it, that's it's really what it is. I feel Meyer wants to pray here on Tuesday, two, 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 two. So Myra, go ahead and uh, Thank you, yeah. Coach. God bless you. Good morning, Saints. How we doing? Good. Uh, we're reading Genesis 6, 4. There were giants in the earth in those days. And there also were. after what? When yeah. the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. They say became mighty men, which were of all men of renown. Holy Spirit, you are welcome at the coach Dave Hoddle. Vindicate mm-hmm. us, Lord, and plead our case against an ungodly no- nation. I release the love, glory, and peace to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Myra. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, got some good stuff I want to I discuss with you today. Larry, go ahead. Come on in, Larry. 
Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say on your you know deal about not going to heaven and stuff, we do have to realize that Jesus said there was a certain beggar. He wasn't talking. He wasn't talking a parable. He said there was a certain beggar, and when that beggar died, he went to Abraham's bosom. That's true. So Abraham's bosom is is something somewhere. Yeah, and he was certainly conscious. What there wasn't he like? So he was conscious and could speak and and had had knowledge of. Uh, what happened? What what it ha- was happening with his brothers? Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kind of indicated. Well, we know the graves are going to fly open someday, and people are going to arise. How, how are they going to arise? If see, that's a miracle, isn't it? People are going to rise if their uh, um, their bodies have been decayed. <laughs> I don't get it, right? I, I don't get it. The graves are going to open. The dead in Christ are going to rise. They're going to be judged. I don't. I don't get it. I'm, but I'm not sure everything that they taught us in in Sunday school is particularly accurate as well. Hey, Jared, pull up number seven there, if you will, real quick. I want to talk again about the, the times we're in. See, I, I heard it again yesterday. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I hope one of the reasons you like this show is because I tell you, I, don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. And uh, I heard the, uh, you know, the people are really, really watching closely again what's going on over in the Middle East, Right what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and uh, the end times are coming because there's all the signs are lining up over there. Uh, kind of wears me out sometimes, to be honest with you. Kind of wears me out. Because if I really believed that I would be, I wouldn't, if I really believed the end was near, I wouldn't be living my life the way that I do. Would somebody give me a thumbs up? Say, Amen. That, that is absolutely the truth. If I really believed it, I wouldn't be living the way I live. And so I just want to, uh, I, I love this scripture because I think people use it, we, and we use it a lot here, but I think it's really, we have to keep it again. Um, if you didn't get a chance, this sounds uh, self-promotion. I thought my bride on the show yesterday was really, really good again. It's posted at uh, online there. And it was a rehashing of what, what I said, sort of. Let, let me make the point again, and I'm going to come, I'm going to come back to this. I made the illustration on the Brideon show about history. Remember we were talking a couple of days ago about traditions, teaching his commandments, the doctrines of men, making the word of God of none effect in our traditions. And, you know, you think about the traditions we live in our lives. We have Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving and Halloween. And we never really ask ourselves where all those traditions began. We really don't. We just follow those traditions. And a lot of times, if we go back and we study those traditions, they're pretty nefarious. The beginnings of them are probably pretty nefarious. And a lot of the things that we celebrate as Christian holidays probably really aren't Christian holidays. And I was reminded yesterday, which was President's Day, that it was, listen, friends, it ain't President's Day. It was George Washington's birthday and Abraham Lincoln's birthday. There's no such thing as President's Day. It's just another scheme that they've done to try to keep us from honoring what we would consider historic heroes. That's all it is. That's all it is. They gave us Martin Luther King month, basically. We have Black History Month and President's Day. Took two presidents. Anyway, I, 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 um, I, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm off track. I digress. Thank you. I want to come back to the whole idea that I, that I shared yesterday and kind of clarified it a little bit more on the Brideon show. I hold right in front of me. Let me move here. Always right in front of me on this show is my Bible. A lot of times you guys will see me look down and look down my Bible. And the Bible is nothing more than the God's story regarding basically life in the Middle East. Would anybody want to anybody want to argue that with me? That the, what we see in, in the in the Bible is God's creation and how it all came about mainly to get Jesus Christ, the, the perfect sacrifice through. That's the story of the Bible, to a degree. Now, the Bible's written in the Middle East. Was there anything going on in North America at that time? Was there anything going on in China? Was there anything going on in Africa? Was there anything going on in South America? Or was all is is the Bible alone a world history book? And I think the answer to that question is pretty clear. No, it isn't. 
it's an overall ver version of how things happened, but it's not a historical, it's not a history book. You with me? And I, I, I shared yesterday the story about Buckeye Lake Park, where I spent a lot of my time as a young kid out of Buckeye Lake Park. My aunt owned some amusements out there. So we grew up at Buckeye Lake Park. It was like Cedar Point or Kings Island or Six Flags, whatever, whatever you, you guys have near you. That was Buckeye Lake Park. It was called the Playground of Ohio. And I grew up out there. And now here I am at age 69 trying to explain to my children and my grandchildren something that took place just, just 60 years ago. 60 years ago, right here was this big park, and they had the roller coasters, and they had the Mer uh, Ferris wheel and the merry-go-round, and over here you could do this, and there was a skating rink, and there was the pool. And all of that history that I lived through is meaningless to my children, to my grandchildren. And no matter how much I try to relay that history to them, they don't really, they don't really get it. I can show them pictures, but they don't really get it. And see, that's folks, we're, we're passing through that right now. And so we're looking even right now at the WW2 generation, the Great War, the war to end all wars. I mean, many of those guys left, folks. Not many of them left. And so the Luciferian left understands that because that's how they go about rewriting history. That's why they want to tear down the statues. That's why they want to tear down Robert E. Lee and pull down statues of Thomas Jefferson and rewrite them as slave owners and bigots, right? Because they understand, we all understand, that in order to maintain a culture, we have to maintain its history. And that's happening to us, friends, in Christianity as well. I'm going to show that to you here this morning, right? Would anybody want to give me a thumbs up and say this is not what we're seeing in America today is not our great-grandfather's Christianity? Would anybody give me a thumbs up on that? Some of you say, well, I really don't know. Yeah, I know. You know. That's, that's the problem, right? So we, are, we have weaved into something that is pseudo-Christian, pseudo-Christian. And by the way, I did some research this morning. Do you know that the word Judeo-Christian is a made-up term? Did you guys know that? But there is no such thing as Judeo-Christian. Do you understand today that the Jews and Christians do not believe the same things? Tell me you understand that. But yet it's part, of that, it's, it's part of that same blending of history by those who have rewritten history. There's no Judeo-Christianity. I could show, I'm not going to do it this morning. I could show you, though, right? I could show you the, the proof. It was a made-up term, just like they made up uh, conspiracy theorists. Judeo-Christian was a made-up word. And yet how often do you hear that used? Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Christian, right? So know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. The men shall be lovers of their own selves. And again, folks, this is, this is not evidence of the end times. This is evidence of the heart of man, Okay. Because man's going to get further because we, because the winners write history, we lose the truth of what really, really happened. And if you think about black Americans, if there is such a thing as black Americans or the black American culture, do you think they really, really, really have an understanding of what their great grandfathers went through? Do you think they really understand it? Do you think their great grandfathers could come by today and live here in 2022 and think they were oppressed? You really think that it would be it would be a la it would be a laughing stock for some of those guys who fought for freedom for Dr. Martin Luther King even see that's not that long ago for Dr. King to show up on the scene and look at where America is today he would laugh wouldn't he he'd say oh my God this isn't racism this isn't oppression right you get what I'm saying right so we ha we have to keep all of this stuff in perspective. Men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous. This is the nature of men. They're covetous. They're boasters. They're proud. Nature of men, not end times, nature of man. They're disobedient to their parents. They're unthankful. They're unholy. They don't have a natural affection. They murder their babies. They don't even have a natural affection for their babies. They're truth breakers. They don't keep their word. They're liars, false accusers. They're incontinent. What, what's a good word for incontinent? Can anybody help me out there? Other than we're incontinent, incontinent. Jared's going to find that for me. What does it mean to be incontinent? Anybody know? Webster, Jared's going to go to Webster's for me real quick here. 
to be incontinent. I just, hey, Jared, you're, you're not, not like insatiable coach. They can't you're be fake. You're not as fast as Spencer. You're not as fast as Spencer, Jared. It is a medical term, coach. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's true. But I don't think that's what they're referring to here, right? They're incontinent. Me, oh, I'm not so sure about that, coach. Yeah, maybe that's yeah, I think it has true. to do with awareness. It says, uh, unable to voluntary control retention of feces, not being under control. There it is. See, but we got to be careful because this is Merriam-Webster, and they've rewritten the English language on us, right? Yeah. They've rewritten the English language. What did our, Hey, Jared, what did our buddy uh, Webster, what did he say in condom? Can you get him up there real quick? <clears throat> no, it's not pulling up. Well, somebody, one of my crew out there ought to be ahead of me on this one. Anyway, okay, somebody will tell me. We're incontinent, fierce. They can't control. They just can't control. control. You just can't control. Out of control. They're fierce. Folks, this isn't a sign of the end times. This is the nature of man. That's why we need God and the word of God to restrain men, right? They need to be restrained. Why? Because they're incontinent. They can't control themselves. They're fierce. Have you looked out there at BLM? They are fierce. They're despisers of those that are good. They're traitors. They're heady. In other words, they think they're smarter than they are. High-minded. They love pleasures more than they love God. They have a form of godliness. Oh, they go to church. and They put on their Easter bonnets. But they deny the power thereof. The Bible says, stay stay away from them. Such men turn away. Folks, this is not in times. This is the nature of man unrestrained by the word of God. That's what we're seeing. For this is a sort to creep into houses and lead captive silly women. <laughs> they're laden with sins. And they're led away with all kinds of lusts, diverse lusts. Uh, they're chasing after cars. They're chasing after after homes. They're chasing after motorcycles. They're chasing after ornaments in their house. Let away with all kinds of divers' lusts, ever learning, and then never able to get the knowledge of the truth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what's it say in verse 4? It says, hey, that's what it is. Preach the gospel. Be incident in season and out of season. Reprove. Go ahead and verse 4 real quick. Yeah, Jared, so they don't think I'm crazy here. Huh? Oh, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all with, uh, Chapter 4, yeah. Just click. You should just be able to click right to it. Then you go to chapter four, and he tells you what to do about it. He says, no, for, uh, yeah. It says, I charge you, therefore, before God and Lord Jesus Christ, going to judge the quick and the dead to bring us the kingdom. Preach the word. Will you do? Will you preach the word to these idiots? Will you be instant in season and out of season? Will you reprove them and rebuke them and exhort them with all long-suffering and doctrine? He says, if you guys don't stand up with the word of God and restrain these people, it's going to get so out of control that's where we are, isn't it? For the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers. Having itching ears. They run to Joe Osteen. They run to T.D. Jakes. They run to guys that make them feel good. You never go to a church. Most of us don't go to churches that make us feel bad. You say, oh, I want to go there. I want to be encouraged. I need to be enlightened. I need to be fed. No, you don't. You need to be spanked. <laughs> but the church is spanking doesn't... They don't get many people in there. So he says, watch, be careful there. Make full, endure afflictions. Do the work of a man. Make full proof of your ministry. <laughs> he says, dudes, man, this world's going to get crazy, and it's crazy. Okay, so I said all, I said all of that to say this. Uh, Jared, bring up Barner, number three. Uh, thanks to many of you, by the way, who, who sent me this link. Uh, I'd already, I was already on top of it. Coach, Coach, let me just say, yeah. I wanted to look, I looked that up in the, my thesaurus, okay? Uh-huh. And it says, Webster, Webster says, when it is used as a noun, it means unchaste. Unchaste. How about that? Incontinent. In other words, they're running around spreading their seed everywhere. Good catch, Debbie. Thank you. Or, yeah, thank you. Scroll down. So this is the latest Barner report. Survey finds that only 9% of self-identified Christians hold to a biblical worldview. Now, hang on a second here. Sorry to do this. Whose fault would that be? It's a question. Only 9% of self-identified Christians hold to a biblical worldview. Whose fault would that be? Ours. 
us. Us. Pastors. Churches. Pastors. Yes. But ultimately, as we just read, us, because we don't want to hear hard stuff. We don't want to hear correction. We don't want to hear it, right? So what do the preachers do? Uh, They feed us us what we want. Amen. (laughs) What do we want? We want feel-good gobbledygook, right? So over 176 million Americans. Coach? Yes, Craig. Uh, isn't it parent? Isn't it parents? Doesn't the Bible teach you to bring up your uh-huh. sons and daughters? It's, uh, I mean, yeah. why are we pushing everything on the pastor? I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. It's the church system that they've set up on us, right? Just think of the changes the church system has gone through. E- even in my lifetime, in my lifetime, the charismatic movement, right? The name it, claim it movement. Why? Because that's what the people wanted. They wanted to be blessed. <clears throat> they want to be blessed. So today, 176 million Americans claim to be uh, Christian. That's, <clears throat> dare I say, that's 70% of the population. Can somebody tell me, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> why Christian values aren't promoted in our culture if 70% of the population says they're Christians? 176 million. Yet only 6% of U.S. adults possess a biblical worldview. You understand how staggering that is? Do you understand that that is 2 Timothy chapter 3 right in front of our very eyes? Right, right there it is. This is according to a new study by George Barna. Let's scroll down there and find some of the things that Barna found out. The study asserts that every person has a worldview defined as an intellectual, emotional, spiritual decision-making filter. And although many Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, Barna study published in May found that 51% of adults claim to have a biblical worldview. Far cry from the percentage who actually do. So 51% of Christians think they're good Christians, but they think like Christians. And Barnes says only 6% of them do. Two out of three Americans think of themselves as Christians. Think about that, friends. Two out of three Americans think of themselves as Christians. And the majority still think that Christianity is, a kind, is kind of about the Bible, but there's a big gap between what Self-identified Christians believe the Bible may teach and what the Bible actually teaches. That's why you come to Coach Dave Live. We dig into all this stuff, don't we? Well, the latest figures may be shocking to some observer of the similar to Barner's findings in 2003. That survey found that 4% of U.S. adults had a biblical worldview, including 9% of born-again Christians. So it hadn't changed much. So let's analyze specific beliefs of the faithful. The study includes 2,000 adults. For instance, 61 of them identify as Christians, believe that I believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect, and just creator of the universe who still rules the universe today. Folks, 61% of those identifies only 61% of Christians believe that. Number two, however, a large majority of self-identified Christians also believe not in the harmony of biblical teaching according to this. 72% argue that people are basically good. 66% 66% say they that having faith matters more than which faith you pursue. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you're Muslim or whether you're Buddhist or you're a Christian. As long as you have faith. Six, folks, two-thirds of Christians, two-thirds of self-identified Christians, 64% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. Hmm. Tolerance, diversity. 58% believe that if a person is good enough or does enough good things, they can earn their way into heaven. Six out of every ten Christians. Six out of ten Christians believe in karma. <laughs> Nine, 99% believe that God is all-knowing and all-powerful, just creator. 99% believe that the Bible is accurate and the Bible words of God. And 96% claim that every moral choice either honors or dishonors God. So they got that right. <laughs> However, Barna's survey finds that even some believers classify part of this as challenging biblical views. 52% argue that people are basically good. 39% contend that the Holy Spirit is not real, lively being, but is merely a symbol of God's spirit. 40% of Christians don't believe the Holy Spirit is real. And the third, I believe in karma. It's a remarkable level of self-deception, even among born-again Christians. It represents a huge educational challenge for those responsible for biblical worldview. It comes with a pastoral pastoral admonition. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you get it, right? You get it, folks? In response to Barnes' findings, let's go down a little bit, uh, Jared. Too often 
People who want a certain reputation or image embrace the label Christian regardless of their spiritual intentions. Christians become somewhat of a generic term rather than a name that reflects a deep commitment to a passionate pursuing and being like Jesus Christ. Barnabas says, okay, there you are. So we wonder why we're in the mess we're in. When you go to church, if you are a born-again believer, spirit-filled, oh, I could talk about that. Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of you. When you go to your church, chances are nine out of ten people beside you are not. What? So it says nine out of ten are not. So as we look across the spectrum of America and we watch how much evil, how tolerance and diversity, churches, what's that word they use? We are an embracing, open fellowship. What's that mean? You're not a sin here. <laughs> You're not a sin here. We're non-judgmental, right? We are, what, what's the word? Come on, somebody help me. What's the word they use? We are diverse. We're diverse. And they are diverse. They believe just about anything and everything. It makes them diverse. It's right in front of us. So those of us who are in this spiritual war that we're in right now, we have to understand that our troops are much smaller than what we understand. And that often the Bible tells us that our enemies shall be those of our own household because they believe that the Bible teaches you can be a homosexual, practicing homosexual, practicing monogamous homosexual, and still be on your way to heaven. They believe that, friends. They believe that. Many, many Christians believe that. Many do. Now, the rub comes with this. I don't believe that. I can't explain homosexuality. I don't know what makes somebody homosexual. But I know that the Bible calls it an abomination. It calls it uh, without natural. It calls it unnatural. Huh? I know that in the Bible it was the death penalty. Is it should it be the death penalty today? I'm not. I'm not even going there. But now to say that it went from being the death penalty to in the choir? Are you kidding me? See, that's how far we've fallen because we're not judged. We're not supposed to judge anybody. Are we? Now, come on in, Dale. I know I'm hitting. I know I'm hitting home with you. Might offend somebody. Yeah, but might offend somebody. <laughs> Well, brother, several topics. First off, I'll just address exactly what you just said. And, and, and here when I say this, it doesn't matter what you think. I know what <laughs> God thinks about it, right? And yes. God says it's an abomination. So that settles that whole issue about that. It no longer matters what I think. I'm telling you, this is what the Lord says. You know, you know the identification, what of an eat? When I say Ethiopian, what do you think about? And I'm not talking about the Bible. I get that. We think about oh, a my. very skinny, very skinny, so, unruly right. person. Let me right. tell you, if a person's objective is that I go to church on Sunday and Wednesday means I only get spiritual food two days out of the week, you're an Ethiopian. You're weak, right? You're, you're, not, you're not trained and buffeted for battle anyway. And I'll say this, even if you don't go to the, to the churches, that's okay too. If, if all I'm getting is I only pick up my Bible and I, I read it once, once a week or whatever, you're no different. This, and then to commend you, Coach. What, what you have done here, brother, it has been it has been uplifting in my own spirit, personal life, great gleaning and teachings that I myself have never delved into. Brother, it yes, is sir. a challenge. And this is what the scripture says. You know, if, if Peter or the rest of them says, well, you know, we're we're following the teachings of the Pharisees. The Lord says this. You study to show yourself approved. A workman unashamed and rightly dividing the word of truth. It does come back to us, Jeremiah chapter 5, right? Amen. The priests rule on their own, and the people love itself. So. so it does right. come down personal. So, but, so Amen. Then, what we have here, though, is just the perfect Cobb salad, isn't it? Amen. You got a little bit of tomato in it. You got a little bit of cheese in it. You got some cucumbers in it. You got some chicken on top of it. You put some honey mustard in it. You stir it up, and you eat it. And, and why do people problem. come back here? Because people enjoy the Cobb salad. And they want to get up in the morning and say, you know what? Something's happening inside of me. There's a life coming inside of me that I've never had before. And it's because I'm taking a different kind of vitamin. I get up every morning and I take this vitamin called the huddle and daggone. All of a sudden, I'm, st I'm feeling different. I'm seeing things. Di right? Right, friends? Rather than, right? Rather than just going and sitting in a church and have some guy stand in front of you and tell you what the Bible says. Hallelujah. 
Yes, it's interactive, right? It makes you hungry. I can't, I got to set my alarm. I got to get up for breakfast, before breakfast. Say, what are you talking about? Oh, I got some spiritual food I'm going to eat in the morning. And then I eat that spiritual food in the morning. And man, then I can go all day long. And then I go all day long. I go to bed and I set my alarm because I got to get up and get fed again. And Dale just nailed it. Most of you are living on one meal a week. Maybe one meal a week. And Coach, if I, may, if I may, if I may, brother, let me tell you what, that's a great analogy about the Cobb salad. But you know, the fact of the matter is I don't like tomatoes on my salad. That doesn't mean <laughs> I don't eat the salad. I just pull the tomatoes off, right? Yeah, Chad, Chad doesn't need cheese. Right. Chad doesn't so, eat so, cheese. He's the only guy I know doesn't eat cheese. He drags it off. And though, though you may dis, you might, you might say, man, I don't, I don't, I don't think highly of the the teaching on the Ethiopian Bible. Hey, you don't throw the salad out because you don't That's like right. tomatoes. That's right, you pick it out. Good illustration. Keep yeah. eating. Good stuff, brother. Amen. Amen. Come on in, Michelle. Then Larry. I'm going someplace still. Thanks, Coach. Good morning, Huddle family. Um, first thing, Coach, um, you mentioned it yesterday as well. I didn't get time to pitch in, but I, I, I can't put the blame at the pastors and the church for a 6% Bible literacy in America. We can blame a lot of things, but people need to read their Bibles for themselves, and then they would know stuff too. And well, Michelle, second, I know this. I know this in the American football uh, situation. If the players aren't doing the rules of the game, they get a new coach. They don't fire the players. So the problem is, is in fact, the church. The problem is the pastor. Sorry. And if some guy's dumb enough that he won't get in the weight room, then he's not going to be in the NFL very long. And if you're sitting under a guy that's not making you work out and strengthen yourself and what, make foolproof of your ministry, and the guy standing in the pulpit isn't calling you to account on it, it's time to get another guy in the pulpit. That's the way. I'm sorry. You change coaches. You don't change players. You can tra- You can train some. You can draft some. You can do that kind of stuff. But to any coach, especially a high school football coach, I have to play with the hand that was dealt to me. And so the hand that was dealt to me, I have to teach those guys all of the disciplines of how to be a good football team. I have to teach hey, the them. Coach, I can't go out and get new players. I can't do that. I got, I got to coach the ones that I have. And our churches are full of guys standing in the pulpit who won't coach their people. They will not the coach players- their people. Good, the Brett. players aren't going to practice anymore. No, they're not. Well, they don't know they have to. <laughs> yes. They don't have to go to practice, and they still get to play, they think, right? Well, this is good. They, they don't got to go to practice. They don't have to go to practice. There ain't no practice. There ain't no game. Larry, come on in. Yeah, I I, I think that it's uh, the like Greg said, he kind of he nailed it, that word parent, because the Bible is very clear that it's the it's the father's responsibility to teach the spiritual things to the children um and when the parents don't do that it could be because they depend on the sunday school and the preacher to do it but still it's ultimately on that parent for the raising of that child and thusly it's on that parent if they fail to raise that child that disobedience is accounted to them yeah, but Larry, they don't even know that, Larry. They're not even being taught that. See, they don't know that. That's the point I'm making. And, and, can I say- and that goes, yeah, that goes to Michelle's point that they don't go to the source of information, the, of course, the Holy Spirit, through the Bible. That hey, friends, the information me, is from the Holy Spirit. The Bible is you, merely the conduit to get that Holy you, Spirit. You guys know this. I grew up Catholic. I never read a Bible ever in my life. They never told me I was supposed to read the Bible. The Catholic Church, sorry was about total control. You walked into the Catholic church, you went and you kneeled down and you listened to that dude up there with that funny collar on. And he never told you to read a Bible. He taught you the catechism of the church. He never taught you a thing about Christ. I'm telling you the truth. Catholics, you Catholics out there know that I'm telling you the truth. And it's all about control. It's so much about control that you have to listen to some guy with a funny hat over in Rome. Huh? Come on. Come on. And that's, that's what's happened. All, most of Christianity today, you cannot challenge the pastor. Touch not God's anointed, right? Come on, you big boys and girls, right? You go sit there and bow down and listen to what that pastor says. Oh, you don't question him. He's the pastor, really? Sort of like the Pope, huh? He's, a, he's the Pope of a small church. Hey, listen, you ain't amening, but I'm nailing it. I'm telling you, I'm nailing it. Come on in, Jeff. And then uh, Paul. Coach, you nailed it. You know, I'm not, I insecure, 
I was a kid, we believed in God. My parents believed in God. I grew up, had kids. My kids believed in God. We all went through the little motions. But until, and I sat through two or three churches, I'd read my Bible once every two or three months or six months, if that. And I was sitting in churches until I come along with a spirit-filled pastor, Pastor Bill, that trained us up to get in that word daily. Sit down, hold your wife's hand, pray before you read, and read. And now we're six years haven't missed a night. There you go. Right. You know what I mean? But it took somebody like him to hit me a couple yeah. times and say, do this, dummy. No wonder they hate him. No wonder they hate him. Come on in, Dr. Paul. Yeah, I can't help to make the correlation between physicians as pastors and this idea that you question your doctor. They don't they yep. just kind of dispel anything you have to say. They right. dictate to you. And it's like the definition of insanity. You repeat the thing over and over again right. and That's expect right. a different result. We're in a daze. We're in a trance, folks. It's demons. That's right. And we're, we're, we're awakening to it. Right. See, hey, can I tell you the truth? I, uh, when I got saved in 1988, I don't know if I'd ever, ever in my whole life. I was 36 years old. I don't think I'd ever heard anybody ever tell me anything about a demon. Ever, ever. The demonic possession and oppression and cultural war. I know I was, I had, do you have any idea how many people today don't, don't know yeah. either? Still today? They still don't get it today. Come on in, Joe Allen and Rich. Yeah, one summer, my wife and I took our children down to St. Augustine, Florida. It's a big Catholic community. Uh-huh. My children never been to Catholic church, so I, I was I brought in my Bible when I was leave leaving the church. You know how the priest sits at the outside the front door. He told me, he said, "I see you brought reinforcement." I see. Yeah, I was just making sure you was telling the truth. <laughs> That's right. They don't like it, man. They don't like it when you bring reinforcement. Hey, folks, listen. I'm sorry. Non-denomination in particular, which I am. I am right now. They would say, well, Coach, uh, who's your covering? Who's your covering? Coach, who are you under? Who do you answer to? Let me ask you something. Who's the Pope answer to? Uh, huh? Who does, uh, who does Kenneth Copeland answer to? What are you talking about, right? I answer to the Lord. I answer to the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean people don't need to help be held accountable for what they do. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea, see, we've just traded the Pope for the pastor. That's all. We just modeled the same thing. There it is. Pagan Christianity, George Barna. You want to read a book that'll open your eyes? There it is. Pagan Christianity. Everything we're doing in American Christianity is based on paganism. Sorry. 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 Come on, Rich. Yeah, I told uh, the last church I attended, I told that... uh, Reverend Mr. Rogers, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told him, I said, you're not going to be standing there on Judgment Day vouching for me. You know, I'm going to stand up to my, I'm going to be standing there all to myself. That's right. That's yeah, right. You know, because he kept getting, I kept getting on him about, well, the things I was learning here. I was taking it to him. And uh-huh. he was just wanting me to settle down and, and sit in the pew. And I said, dude, I can't do it anymore. He had everything but a Pope's hat on, didn't he? Everything but a Pope's hat. That's yeah. all I needed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Church of God. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, boy. Don't, don't get me going here. Don't oh, no, it wasn't. It was the, the Northern Church of God. They, they don't. All right. Yeah. All right. Still. Rochelle, come on in. Rochelle, real quickly. Now, I'm going to show you something here. Michelle and Myra and Dale, hang on there a second. Go, go ahead, now, Rochelle. Good morning, team. Thanks, Coach. Um, yeah, when it, it comes to reading our Bible and what's in it, I tell you what, when I was, I can remember having an argument with my mother. Uh, Mom, these are just great stories and a way to live our life. There's there's nothing true about this. I was probably 11 or 12. And I remember in a Bible study school, I was raised Catholic too. They couldn't answer any questions when I would ask them about what was in the Bible and creation. I yeah. totally abandoned that book for Troublemaker. decades. Troublemaker. Yeah. Um, but re- I-, I wanted to say that. And then what you said about the demons. And um, no, it's never brought up in our churches. And it's the first miracle mentioned in both Mark mm. and Luke. It's Jesus's first miracle, and they don't they don't talk about these things. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will let, right, and that's the first right. thing it says. And the very first thing you brought up this morning about the man who lost his brother. I, these yes. stories are everywhere, 
And yes. this is all has to do with the CARES Act and all the money they get. They get money just for a positive COVID test. So yes, I made up my own acronym for CARES. And it's carnage, abounding, reproducting, ending, slaughter. That's what the CARES Act is. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it is for sure. Bless you. Hey, listen, Debbie, let Debbie in real quick. Myra, I'm not being disrespectful here. I got some stuff I got to get to. Go ahead, Debbie, you come in. No, I just really wanted to say real quickly, I'm 70 years old, and I was never taught in church that you needed to do anything but come there. Right. There wasn't anything else I thought I needed to do. I didn't need to read the Bible. I just needed to show up and uh, mission accomplished. That's what we thought, right? And if you needed, if you had a problem, you called the pastor, right? So if I'm a good pastor and uh, uh, somebody calls me, listen, listen. I, maybe I'm not going to say it. it. Sounds mean. It sounds mean. If I have a spiritual issue in my family, why do I have to call a pastor? If if the pastor has trained me, I don't have to call him. Now I would call him to alert him and let him know. But I'm not going to call and say, Pastor, no, my goodness, I got my toe cut off here. Just oh, go to, we'll pray for you. What? What? I would already myself have got an army of people praying for me, right? I'd let my pastor know. I'm going to be respectful of him. But to go to expect him to do what? Get my toe cut off. I'm going to call Paul Goslin. I'm not call a pastor. Call somebody who can help me sew the toe back on. That's the way I see it. Okay. I know you want to. You'd have to make an appointment to talk to your pastor. Maybe. If it's a mega church, you'll never get to see him, right? I noticed that this weekend, by the way. I got to say this. I said it to myself. You know, we're up there with the uh, uh, um, Reawaken America tour. You know, you can't can't even get near those guys. Michael Flynn, maybe, you know. The average person, they they couldn't get to meet Michael Flynn. They couldn't get meet uh, Dr. Zeb, whatever his name is, Zelenko. They couldn't get near them. They, they cart them all off. They're like Tom Renz. You guys know Tom Renz? Tom Renz was sitting back in the in the common room where the common folk were sitting around talking to people. That says a lot to me, folks. If you are if you have a cele- if you dealing with a celebrity pastor, I'd find a new church. I'd find a new church. Just telling you, Jesus is the celebrity, not not those guys. Got to show you this, okay? Number two, play that for me real quick. TikTok pastors. Here's what we're dealing with, friends. Most most pastors, oh, coach, be careful. Broad brush. Pastors don't even have the Holy Spirit. These, these are woke preachers, okay? They got this off TikTok. I don't know who sent Paul. Somebody sent it to me. Thanks for sending that. Thank Paul, Paul Webb sent it. Go ahead. Woke pastors. 12 years old and older, of course, must be fully vaccinated. Post-COVID, there's a lot of folks that don't feel as comfortable coming in person, which we totally understand. Here, we are doing everything we can to be safe, requiring vaccine proof to come in. For the 7 o'clock service, you will need to register and proof of double vaccination. That's an opportunity to come and to sing and to hear the Word of God. We're going to have our first in-person worship in nearly two years, but only those persons who've been vaccinated will be able to come to that worship, all right? With this variant, we don't know what is happening. If you are not vaccinated and there's not a medical reason for you not being vaccinated, you consider worshiping online from now on. We know there's no religious reason because you are Episcopalian and there's no Episcopal reason why you should not get the vaccine. I have had a barber now for about seven years that I've decided to fire. Because now, I know some of you ain't going to like what I'm about to say, but what do all those folks have in common? Ain't none of them spirit-filled. It's religion. Period. Amen. There's a Amen. difference between being filled with the Spirit of God and just moving in religion. And this is a perfect example. Anybody with discernment, when you hear these individuals talk, men and women of God, they don't serve the same God as me. Some's off, some ain't right. And if you are filled with the spirit, you know, and you love truth, you're going to be able to discern that. 12 years old and amen. older. Amen, amen, amen. Come on in, Reggie. So going to pastors, and we're talking, it's a good topic because, so you were talking earlier about, uh, the. <clears throat> um, I said it the other day, 
Judeo-Christian. I, I cringe every time I hear it because it's an it's oxymoron. Not, listen, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll get that. Maybe I'll get that for us tomorrow, folks. Show you but, where that word came from. It's a made up word. So what I wanted to say was, um, it came from your high royal bloodline um, <laughs> members of Christian uh, Cyrus Schofield. Yep. Okay, right. Cyrus yep. Schofield introduced the whole Christian Zionism. They are very clever. It was a purpose and a reason. That's what you're seeing all these pastors there. But, but do you want to know truly? This is going to kind of tick everybody off. But who Cyrus Schofield was mentored mm-hmm. by? John Nelson Darby. Guess what he introduced? The rapture. It never mm-hmm. existed. So these, this is that mentality you're trying to break. They, they're not going to break it. Years of it, the programming. They Amen. don't want to believe it. Uh, amen. I'm, <laughs> that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Okay, let's, I got a couple more things. Go ahead, Dale. You're up, then Michelle, then Myra. Anybody, Dale, did you want? You just not get your hand out. Let's go to Silver. He just popped in. I'm sure he's on topic here. Go ahead, Silver. Heck yeah. What do you mean? There's no rapture. There's no pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, assigned time. There is a rapture. There is a catching away. But yeah. when is irrelevant? <laughs> Amen. I think the point Reggie's making is since the, uh, dispensationalism, Darby, all that stuff, right? Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth, right? That has become the prime doctrine of the American church. All right, folks? Hey, come on. You know what I'm talking about? The late great planet Earth. There's not a there's not a book in American history that changed Christianity more than that book. Left Behind. The Left Behind series, right? Nothing. Nothing changed it more than that. All right, let's see here. I was copying and pasting Jared's post there and I couldn't get over real quick. I, I wanted to go back. You talked about you know, the pastors, and then you were, talk- but you said something, and this is critical for us, is that you said, my children won't remember Buckeye, whatever that was that you were talking Lake. about. Buckeye so, Lake Park, yep, yep. We have forgotten, what did Francis Tohofu say? The great French revolutionary that came to America to see what made America great so fast. What did he do? He went into the into the halls of Congress. He went into the factories of America. He went into the economic system. He says it wasn't there. He goes, it wasn't until I entered the pul- the churches and from the pulpits in America, we see righteousness being thundered away. That is when I knew that America was great. America was great because America is good. But if America ever ceases from being good, America will cease from ever being great. Alexis de Tocqueville. Free by truth. Come on in. Thank you, Coach. Um, you started off this show reading Second Timothy chapter mm-hmm. three, and you made a statement that you didn't think that we were in the last times or the last days, and that no, you lived your life differently. Okay, go ahead. I, here's what I said. This isn't a scripture about the last days. This is about the nature of man. That's what I said. Go ahead. Okay, because in the very first chapter says this. Know also. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. And I'm thinking that this whole thing, this how people are, that's a sign that we're in the last days. And no, I no, 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 was, no, 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 it's not a sign we're in the last days. Perilous times are coming because this is how people are. We have a back, we have cause and effect backwards here. This is not a sign of the last days. Last days are coming because this is the nature of people. It's explaining why. Yeah. Yeah. And for too long, I think we have taken that scripture and said, well, my goodness, look around. It's the end of days. It's the end. Look, well, people are disobedient to parents and they're unthankful. And they're, well, it's the end of days. No, no, no. It says that perilous times are coming because this is how people are. It's the people that's the problem. It's not the times. It's the people. But it says in the last days, this shall come. I was just wondering, you also, I, I, and maybe I'm misreading you. You'd said something that you would live your life like you would be doing things differently if you thought we were in the last days. And I was if I really believe, if I really believed that I was going to be dead next week, I would be living differently than I'm living right now. That's my point. And so would all of you. If you got a letter in the mail said you're going to be dead on March 8th, you would live your life differently. I promise you, all of us would. And so we don't really believe what we say we believe. We don't really. We don't really believe it. 
Come on in, Mel. Hey, thanks, Coach. So, yeah, I wanted to respond to Veronica because um, I, I see where she's coming from. But I think that we're living in a time of great revealing. And so the things that I know today are different than the things that I knew ten, two years ago. So it doesn't mean that that um, the <clears throat> things are different. It's just more that I'm more aware. Yeah, it is. But could we also say this? If I'm, I'm going to rewrite the scriptures. But could we say this? This know also that perilous times are coming. Does it have to be last days? Who put last? What's, what does that mean, last days? This know also perilous times are coming. Why? For men are lovers of their own selves and covetous and both. Folks, we've had perilous times for a long time. We've been perilous times for a long time. And again, it's exactly the point I was making when I started out today. We are stuck in a time-space continuum. We think things are worse now than they've always been, and that isn't true. That's not true. The American Christian church today is worse than it's ever been. But the world isn't worse than it's ever been. They had to flood it. Keep things in perspective is my uh, Brian Cunningham and Janine. Boy, it's lighting up. Go ahead. Yeah, Coach, I think the, the whole thing determines the worst days. What it does is it puts us into a program, and then it, and it keeps us going down this narrative. And uh, I'm not saying there's not perilous times, but it puts us in a mindset to where we just sit on the bench and wait for things to come yeah. down. Yeah, men are incontinent, they're fierce, they're despised of that good. What can I do about it? Come quickly, Jesus, we're out of here. Janine, come on in. You see, the Bible is a history book of, from, he said he's the beginning to the end. We have seven churches. All those had perilous times. You and I have perilous times now. It is a revealing of who Christ is over yes. the seven churches. So it is a history book. I can tell you when the the Reformation took place. I can tell you when the Ottoman Empire was taking place by reading the Word of God. It is a total history book. That's right. And, and there are perilous a roadmap times. and a roadmap, but it's not the total history book because there's certainly history going on outside what's written in this Bible. That doesn't that doesn't cheapen the Bible. It's the truth. There were things going on, and folks, we didn't even discover America to 1492. Are we to believe that there were no people here? Nobody was in the, nobody in the United States in 1492. Well, let me shock you here. They showed up and there were some Indians. They were surprised. They found some Indians here. Well, wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are the Indians written about in the Bible? Do we find America written about in the Bible? No. Because it's a it's a time space. It has a purpose beyond just history. Maybe that'd be a good way to say it. Roger. And Emma. Oh, I'm you know, I'm reading uh, one of Bill Riley's books, and it's on the, the mafia. But if you want to know about corruption in the government, I know we have it bad now, we think. But during the 50s and 60s and the mafia and the Kennedys, it was a complete sellout by our government in many ways. So I adhere to what you said. There, there's been a lot of bad times in our country. This may not yes, be sir. the worst of it. You don't think 1941 was bad? You don't think there were perilous times in 1932 during the, the Depression? You don't think those were bad times, perilous times? Speakeasies, alcoholism, uh, uh, prohibition. You don't think, uh, you think it's just bad times now? Just hearing these, these are the last days because there's bad times? Sorry, I ain't yeah, buying the, it. The, con the control that the mob had on government officials for about 10 years was unbelievable. Probably still is more than we even understand. Emma, come in. I would just like to remind everybody that the number of your days are written in God's hand. Right. And I, I don't know if an accident can change it or if going to the hospital changes it or or if the FBI coming to your house changes <laughs> it. Changes it. But I, I'll tell you this. None of us knows we have tomorrow. Not, not one of us. If you had told me when I was a youngster that my first husband would die of cancer, I would have said, well, then I'm not getting married. Right. But nobody told me, and it happened. And it was perilous for me. It took, it, it took me through a tailspin of faith because Amen. I thought I had faith, but I didn't really discover faith 
the way I think it should be until I went January 6th. I know that's kind of shocking because I have claimed to be a Christian most of my life since I was 12. I'm 70 now. So, but when I went on January 6th and I began to listen to this group, I realized I have needed this group all of my life. And, and, and it just, it has really made things different. Tom and I both feel differently if we had stayed with the smocks, but they went to they, they went to campus preaching, and we couldn't do that. We just couldn't yes. do that. But, yes. but these things we can do. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hey, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We are not cookie cutters, even though they want to make us cookie cutters, except they want to change the flavor of the cookie, don't they? Huh? They want to make it something that tastes good to you. So conclusion is what? We're all culpable in this. We let the guy in the pulpit give us pablum, and we continue to go back there. Ultimately, you got nobody to blame but yourself. We'll see you tomorrow.